KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. And away we go with the Bob Olin Show. And Bob, here it is, the 4th of October, with temperatures expected to reach 70 degrees today. Isn't that a forecast? <laughs> and, of course, we're all kind of enjoying that. Yeah. Uh, those of us that have gardens, we're still ripening some tomatoes and still hopefully ripening some of our fall crops as well, cauliflower, broccoli, whatnot. They come in just beautifully. We've had the rain now. We need just a little bit more uh, warmth and sunlight, and I guess that's going to change over the next couple of days pretty dramatically, huh, Dave? Yeah, we're going to head into fall again, it appears, uh, at the end of the week with high temps only in the 40s. Right, and some cooler temperatures. You really yeah. got to watch those freeze temperatures. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily where there's lake effect. Right in Duluth or Superior, I think we might freeze, but they're frost at least, but not the real cold temperatures. Get up on the hill, and I know we've got listeners all the way up uh, north of the Iron Range, Cook, Hibbing, and uh, a little bit further south down at Carlton, where we got the St. Louis River that kind of works its way down, so elevations are a little lower, and uh, they can experience some real cold temperatures. I uh, saw some forecasts in those areas for 23, 24, 25. At these temperatures, uh, we are going to have to be careful. You know, we we tell you, we talk a little bit about apples. Uh, I know you're a big apple fan there, Dave. I haven't gotten uh, nearly, I don't have hardly any off the tree at this point. And you really don't need at this point your situation. Yeah. You're going to get some protection. <laughs> uh, you know, they're elevated. The, the crop itself yeah. is elevated, so that's going to be just a little bit warmer. And then uh, they'll take a frost, certainly, and uh, it's when we get those forecasts down below about 28 that I think we really got to get those harvested. But we got a lot of other things close to the ground. We take a look at uh, tomatoes, eggplant, uh, very, very sensitive to cooler temperatures, our pepper crop, of course, these uh, warmer summer crops that uh, we've enjoyed really this year. Uh, they're going to be quite vulnerable, and you want to get a lot of those picked or uh, wrapped, and uh, you have to be a little careful. Uh, sometimes a single covering won't do the job if you have temperatures uh, predicted below 28. You might have to double wrap to be sure that you get them through this period. And then, of course, uh, we warm up. This is fairly typical fall weather where we'll get a night or two of very cold temperatures, and then things warm up. And if we still got a green plant there, we're still building sugars, we're still ripening fruit. Uh, so we want to kind of extend the season as long as we possibly can, Dave. Yep, that's how it goes usually. In fact, uh, again, by the weekend, we should be warming back into the mid-50s anyway, which is about normal for this time of year. Just about normal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something else that's just about on schedule, maybe a little late. Have you noticed the leaves out there lately? Yeah, in my neighborhood, not much going on yet, but uh, uh-huh. then closer to the lake, I guess, we got to wait for a while. Well, that's right. And, you know, that's kind of the nice thing. You have lots of options. You get up over the hill, you can get about two or three seasons. You get over <laughs> the hill just a little ways, and, boy, the colors are absolutely magnificent this year. And we thought they would be. You know, these are all pigments. They're masked by the green chlorophyll pigment. And, of course, uh, chlorophyll is that magic uh, compound that takes, in the presence of sunlight, takes carbon dioxide, water, and makes sugar, and it makes uh, oxygen. And uh, much more conscious of uh, what we call carbon capture. And I'll tell you, a green plant's just great for carbon capture, capturing that CO2 and producing oxygen from it. So that green pigment's very, very important of all green plants. It's really the essence of all life without that pigment. Uh, none of us would be here talking this morning enjoying this beautiful uh, fall weather. But 
the, the chlorophyll pigment is, is not really st- as stable as some of the other pigments. The other pigments, we've got uh, all of what we call the carotenoids, comes from them, the, the word carrot, of course, uh, very similar. The oranges and the yellows and the deeper reds and the anthocyanins, which are the purples and the pinks and the, uh, the maroons. Uh, so this is another group of pigments. They tend to be a little bit stronger. They tend to be a little more stable. So as light begins to decline, temperatures begin to drop, the chlorophyll, the green pigment, actually breaks down first. It's not as stable, and then it reveals all these underlying pigments, which are there and create all this beautiful fall color. And I've seen some color just recently. It changes very quickly, and typically the last week in September, first week in October is when we have our best uh, leaf-looking time, the most beautiful colors. Uh, I think we're just about there. We might be a little bit behind a uh, typical year or average year, and our whole season started off a little cool and uh, started off and was just a little bit delayed. So, But nonetheless, you don't want to miss that. That's here and gone very quickly. It's, uh, it's certainly one of my favorite times of the year when it is. It's beautiful. You know, Dave, it's interesting. Those pigments are out there not just for our appreciation, but, uh, you know, they all have a purpose. And, uh, you know, the the chlorophyll reflects, obviously, the color reflects green and absorbs other parts of the spectrum. But the other pigments, uh, they actually absorb uh, that green portion of the spectrum, uh, of the spectrum. So actually, they're collecting more more sunlight and the value of that sunlight. So actually, they have a, uh, a function that way. And they also will, they'll kind of on the extreme hot days, they absorb some more of that spectrum. And this is actually there to protect the chlorophyll, which is so important. So even though they're, they have a very distinct uh, function in this whole process of protecting chlorophyll and, the, and then the, uh, the benefits we get from that chlorophyll pigment. So not only are they beautiful, they're more stable, uh, they uh, tend to mitigate or dissipate some of the excess heat, and then they collect the portion of the spectrum that the uh, green pigments don't get. So it's a kind of a real fascinating process where everything really has its place and has its function, and in addition to that, we really get to enjoy it uh, this time of year, Dave. What determines the colors, Bob? Does each species of tree have its own separate color, or do wow. can you change colors uh, be, You know, on a certain tree, maybe get yellows and reds and orange? Yeah, you know, that is really a good question because uh, we will see things like sugar maple. Some will be yellow yellow in color. Others will be more of a deep red in color. So we will see some variability. That's, again, a genetic component. It also is an environmental component. And then uh, the pH in the soil also influences this. I think of our hydrangeas that have become uh, so very, very popular, this endless summer uh, series that is out there. If we acidify our soil, we get a pink. It emphasizes the anthocyanins. And if we actually, no, it, it, sorry, I got that wrong. If we acidify the soil, we really get the uh, the lavenders and the blue colors. If we uh, have an alkaline condition or make it more basic, there we get the pink colors. So soil pH and where that tree is planted can actually be influential in terms of what the color is. But among the same species, some species are different and some will just be exclusively one color or another, but others have some variability there, and uh, that can depend on the individual genetics of the tree as well as the soils and the pH and the location where it happens to be planted. So there's some variability there for sure, Dave. Yeah, and that certainly makes it, you know, for good looking, you get a whole variety of colors as you look out over a a forest. Oh, you do, and, you know, I think of... uh, 
not just the forested trees. We think about our sugar maples, of course, which are so magnificent. But yeah, I mentioned hydrangeas. Uh, take a look at these PG hydrangeas. They've been around for a long time. They're almost they're large rubs. They're magnificent. They'll be white during the uh, major portion of the growing flowering portion of the season, and then they turn these wonderful pinks. Uh, I see more and more people putting them in our landscapes. They're, they just add so much color. Uh, to our landscapes. That along with the fact we've had enough moisture so we've got these uh, nice carpet of green grass out there and this again we've talked about it. This is a time that uh, just really enjoy those cool season grasses. Our common Kentucky bluegrass is beautiful. If you're going to do any fertilizing now would be the time. Uh, we would like to add a little of that fertility down a little earlier when the plant can, is more actively growing and pick it up more readily. But uh, even at this point in the season, as long as we don't have any uh, uh, frost in the soil, that plant can pick up that uh, nitrogen in particular, and this kicks out these underground runners. But you can take a look at the cool season grasses. They look beautiful. So you've got this contrast between, in primary colors, between that beautiful uh, green of a lush lawn this time of year and, of course, the color in the trees, the color in uh, so many of our perennial plants that pick up the anthocyanins, the reds. I mentioned PG hydrangea this time of year. They're just very, very beautiful. So we get this contrast between green, uh, yellows, and reds, and it's really quite magnificent in the landscape right now. Now, as you mentioned, I think last time I mowed the lawn, I probably wouldn't be done yet. Sure enough, I wasn't. It kept growing, and I had a mow again yesterday, so... Yeah, we space it out. You know, you can mow weekly in the mm. peak of the season. I think you get away with two to every two or three weeks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's good exercise for us yeah, all. As we get a little older, we got to get that activity so we can think of it that way. <laughs> but actually, you want to keep mowing. We really don't want it. We don't want it scalp this time of year. We don't want it. Uh, we don't want that uh, those grass blades to get so long that they lie down on top of each other. That mm. traps moisture. And with moisture, we get fungal disease, and we get a chance we take a look at the review of the season. We did have a lot of very interesting foliar diseases this year that mm-hmm. came with the season, but we want to minimize and avoid the possibility of fungal disease in lawns. It's very difficult to get under control once we've got it established. So continue to mow. If you've been mowing at about an inch and a half length, continue to mow. And uh, you won't have to do it as frequently, but I'm going to say every two, three weeks, uh, right up into the fall, you're still going to have to get out there and get a little exercise. You don't need a health club membership, Dave. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) In fact, I I noticed a lot of uh, moss and mushrooms growing in my yard. Uh, I don't know if that's because we had a whole lot of precipitation lately or what, but uh, that seemed to be more frequent than than it was in years past. You know what happens oftentimes, Dave? uh, The trees in a yard tend to grow a little bit uh, taller over time. We get more shade. More shade, right. People say, I never had mushrooms before. I never (laughs) had moss before. When, in fact, you never had that much shade before. True grass really likes full sun, as much sun as you possibly can get for grass, particularly common Kentucky bluegrass. But as these trees grow, uh, we get more shade. So we'll see more mushrooms. Mm -hmm. We'll see uh, certainly more moss. And uh, both of those are, are rather difficult to control. Everyone right. wants a chemical for everything, or at least a lot of people do. And uh, you're just going to have to learn to live with that moss, or you're going to have to take down a tree or two, thin those trees out, get a little more sunlight. So if you really want to grow quality turf, you really got to have sun, Dave. Well, the moss is green, so I'm happy with it. Not a big deal. That's, Blends in well, with the grass. In, it's real interesting. <laughs> Even out out on the East Coast, they got areas where they, they've... Uh, 
taken their landscapes and they just cultivated. They got a lot of trees again. They got shade and they got moisture because moss does require that. Moss is very interesting. It doesn't have a vascular system. All these trees we've been talking about and plants, you know, they've got a root system. They pump a lot of water up. They've got a vas- they got a plumbing system within right. the plant. Moss is different. Moss takes that moisture right through the uh, the cell wall of the uh, the cells itself. So it really doesn't have a root system. Doesn't really have a vascular system. So it does really require almost continuous moisture. Otherwise, it, it tends to dry out and uh, goes into a spoilant form, or kind of a dormant form, come back to life when you add the, the moisture. But uh, oftentimes when we see a lot of moss, that's in the wet years, and that's when we got shade where things don't dry down. So you want to think about sunlight if you want to eliminate it. You want to think about uh, somehow eliminating the amount of moisture that that plant's getting. Then grass will move in and take over, Dave. All right, we've got to take a break here, Bob. It's 929 already. The Bob Olin Show returns in just minutes here on KDAL. Once again, here is Bob. Bob, we got all your tomatoes picked, or are they still growing there in your garden? <laughs> well, we've got tomatoes. All right. uh, we're going to be doing a lot of picking, I think, uh, <laughs> where I grow most of my tomatoes it's going to be very cold and it may be hard to protect them we're going to try to protect but we're going to get some pick people uh, may want to follow that too if if you you're near the lake uh, you don't have to be that concerned but uh, folks that are farther away farther north and some case a little farther south depending on the elevation uh you want to pick those and you know uh they ripen at room temperature people will come in and they'll they'll want to wrap them in newspaper they'll want to put them in uh, under the bed to other things and uh, actually, it's just temperature rather than sunlight or wrapping. I think wrapping individually in paper, if one spoils, maybe there's a good reason for that. It, it prevents the spoil from, spoilage from moving. But um, certainly, it's just temperature. It's not sunlight. But you want about temperature, 70, 72 degrees is what ripens them. And uh, anything you pull off, that's what we call green mature. In other words, it's... Uh, it's moved from that deep green to a, almost a yellow phase. Uh, in most cases, those will ripen over time. So you still can extend the season. It was kind of interesting. As a matter of fact, we we're going to do a uh, we're going to do a conference on tomatoes this year on October twentieth. And uh, you know, we learned learned a little bit this year. I think uh, you really have got to to capture the season and to get that uh, fruit ripe. You really got to uh, handle things a little bit differently. Maybe in the early part of the season, it's always a challenge. Uh, their warm season crop, the most popular crop, uh, garden vegetable crop out there uh, nationwide, probably worldwide. But um, you know, being this far north, uh, we've got to do a couple of things, and we've got to make sure that we don't overlook that first part of the season when we've got all of the sunlight. So there we'll, we'll share a couple of little techniques that you can use there. But in the meantime, extend the season. Uh, don't give up on, on anything that will work for you. And then, of course, you know, Dave, there's always green tomato pie. Yeah. So uh, people will oftentimes use green tomatoes. I know there are a lot of real fine relishes out there, and so that part is uh, is kind of fun too. That people can make good use of what's in the garden. Once we pick those uh, juicy red uh, ripe tomatoes, how do we store them, Bob, so they last for a while? Oh, there's a question. Well, you know, they're going to continue to ripen for you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Some some uh, vegetables will not. Though as soon as you take them from the plant, they stop maturing they stop right well you can take a look at your apples once the once you pull them off the tree they're pretty much done but with tomatoes they continue to ripen uh, there is uh, there are a couple varieties that will have a very slow ripening process so you can actually hang on to them later one is called long keeper a very appropriate name and uh, you can probably keep those uh, into uh, certainly into December 
But most of them, of course, you're going to have to use them up or freeze them or can them or process right. them. And on October 20th, we're going to be talking a little bit about food preservation. And I might say we're also going to do some gauge testing, but we've got time to talk about that because uh, that's a little ways out. But we'll be talking about some right. of those things, certainly, Dave. Good. Let's uh, check the phones. we got somebody on the phone right now. Who's this? This is John. John, what's Lakeside. up? Okay. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Bob, I have an American plum bush. Yeah. It was an American plum tree that died, and I let the oh, dear. shoots grow. Uh, for the last three years, it had beautiful blossoms. First year, had a lot of plums, uh, but full of bugs. The last two years, uh, only one side, only one trunk is producing uh, plums, and there was like a dozen of them or so. Uh, I know I should cut down some of the other trunks. Uh, what advice do you have, and when is the best time to do it? Yeah, I think so. You probably, when they come from the from that uh, root, and they're on their own root, you get those multiple stems, and, and of course... Uh, in nature, they ultimately will thin down to a couple of them, two or three. And I would say that, uh, you know, we never really want to prune right now at this point. There's a lot of active fungi out there. Let me ask, with the plums that you did get, were they quality or did you have uh, what what we call plum pockets, some disease issues on those? Uh, they weren't too bad. There was like little crystals uh, okay. on, some of the, on some of the skin. Okay, okay. They were very um, tasty. <laughs> tasty, though. That's good. You know, plums, I think, first off, uh, you, you want, I want to encourage you to just continue growing them. Uh, how many stems do you think you have at this point? Five. I think. Five, okay. Let's let's maybe prune that down to three. You can prune, prune it ground level, uh, right at ground level. Uh, probably very early next spring is the best time to do it. We're still... You know, we still got leaves out there. We're still pulling down sugars. Uh, we're pumping that down in the roots. So that's strengthening the plant overall. So we don't want to take anything off now. I think uh, let them charge up that root, and all those carbohydrates will come up next year. And if you maybe take out two of the weaker stems uh, very early next spring, then that should encourage the development. Now, sometimes uh, it does take a while uh, for them to move into the uh from the juvenile into a more adult phase, and that's where the blossoms do occur. So it may be a timing effect as well. So I would say you can expect, if you thin it down a bit to uh, maybe two or three stems, that you're going to get a flush of uh, lots of green growth, lots of leaves. You may not get the kind of blossom and bloom that you want this year, but the following years, in time, that those will mature and mature more rapidly now that they've been thinned. And then you'll move from adult, juvenile to adult and you'll get more blossoms and you get more fruit. So next spring would be the time to take care of that one for sure. Okay, thank you, Bob. Yep, okay, thanks thank for the call. Good, Appreciate good, it. good and interesting question. Now, I think anytime, anytime we've got a, and this is a woody perennial, anytime we've got uh, green leaf tissue out there, remember, again, they are directing all of these sugars down in the root. That's the storage mechanism for the plant. That's what gets it through the winter. That's what's going to give you stronger growth next spring. So we don't want to do any fall pruning. We want to encourage, and it doesn't just be a woody like a plum or an apple, but it could be your asparagus patch or one thing or another. There's still green tissue up there, and uh, we're really storing everything right now. It's very interesting um, how we get a reversal in the way the sugars flow through a plant, but as soon as we flip over into this uh, fall equinox and temperatures and light decline, we get a reversal of what's occurring in terms of uh, carbohydrate flow. Right now, it's going down in the roots, 
it's just uh, it's almost as if the plant knows I got winter coming and I got to prepare for it and I want to pump as much storage in as I possibly can. So we never want to prune back anything that's green. It's still performing a valuable function. But, uh, you know, things that have died and begin to, term we use is dihest, it just naturally breaks down, the chlorophyll's gone, the plant tissue's dormant. At that point, you can certainly take uh, material off. But green tissue, we want to leave there, even if it's just the stems. Anything green has chlorophyll and will be storing sugars for you. All right, Bob, we'll take another break. 941 now at KDAL. And we're back with Bob Olin, 944 here at KDAL. Bob, I got a peony bush that is pretty much done, obviously, for the year. Do I cut that down, or do I just let it go through the winter? Cut it down in well, the spring. Well, now, now you can let that uh, just go. Okay. A little late. We do like to move peonies in the fall. We like to move uh, iris. Those are the two big uh, herbaceous um, ornamentals and mm-hmm. perennials that we really like to move. You know, Dave, that leads me right into um, our St. Louis County Master Gardeners. Got a tremendous fall plant sale. Ah. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's, I think, one of the few fall plant sales, and they will have a lot of perennials and a lot of information and a lot of bulbs. Uh, I know last year they ran out of this uh, fall plant sale, so uh, this year they've got uh, at least a couple thousand, I'm aware, bulbs that are available, so they're going to be magnificent. That'll be this Saturday, and they'll be down at the depot from 9 to 1, and they will have plenty of spring flowering bulbs. That's the tulips. That's the daffodils, narcissus. That's the hyacinth. A lot of, lot of, lot of different types of spring flowering bulbs. And you'll have the information to go along with it: how to plant them, where to plant them, and so forth. The timing for this uh, sale is just perfect because we really don't like to get bulbs, spring flowering bulbs, in the ground until about October 15th. So you got uh, of the Saturday when you can pick up what you need. And then you can uh, you can use those, uh, certainly uh, plant them over the next uh, couple of weeks here. So it's going to be a great deal. It's down at the depot. Uh, they've thought of everything. There's plenty of free parking down in that area. And if you have a big purchase, they've got runners with apparently with wagons. It'll take uh, the product out for you, or you could drive up to the door and pick it up. So there's there's not an issue with uh, with anything. They've thought of everything. And it's, uh, it's for a wonderful organization, a great uh, group of volunteers that contribute so much to our our community and so many things we're doing. So that's the St. Louis County Master Gardener Fall Plant Sale. Not just bulbs, but lots of bulbs, lots of perennials. Uh, even be some peonies down there. So right. you're going to have a variety of things that can go in the ground, get this fall. And it's the perfect timing for that. Yep. That's this weekend down at the depot. Good time but, to start um, planning for next spring already. Well, it is, and you know, you talk about bulbs, uh, a lot of people are experiencing, I know I am, where I, I just really can't stand to take down some of these trees, but I'm getting more and more shade, you want spring color, a bulb you can put in the ground, and it, it's going, you're going to have to treat it like an annual, because in most cases, if there's deep shade, uh, you won't be able to carry it over another year, but you certainly get that magnificent uh, uh, spring color, and you can do so much with design, there's so much variability now in, in bulbs. Uh, and a lot of these uh, the mass gardens are brought in from outside of the area. We're not a major bulb production area. Matter of fact, uh, the plants that are going to last the longest and they naturalize would be our narcissus and our our daffodils. So these are going to be out there, and I've given those actually as memorial gifts for people because they uh, they'll last, they'll naturalize, and they can last for I don't know twenty, thirty years. Wow. So I saw a, a daffodil field. I know the per- woman that passed that. Uh, Love daffodils, so I gave the family that, and uh, 
it was just a short time ago this last spring that said you have to see how these uh, daffodils still look. That was maybe 25 years ago. So there are daffodils you can put in, but a lot of the others we're going to get maybe one, maybe two years out of them. If it's deep shade, maybe just one year, but nonetheless, they're magnificent, and you can do a lot with design with spring flowering bulbs. We don't want to plant too early because they take off. They get above the ground. We want that shoot to get above the ground. We just want the roots to get established. So planting time for so many of these bulbs is going to be uh, from October fifteenth uh, till about the early November, depending on the season. And that show again is this Saturday, Bob. That's this Saturday. Okay. Uh, and it's down at the depot, and there's lots of free parking on the weekends like that, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a very nice venue. They've uh, put a tremendous amount of effort, lots of educational content. That's what the Master Gardener program is really about: providing education and advice to the public. They'll be an Ask the Master Gardener table there, so you can bring a lot of your questions there on the bulbs and the perennials that you're planting, as well as any other question that you might have. Super. Bob, we'll take another break and be right back. We'll wrap up the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday. Uh, This just in a news. Country music superstar Loretta Lynn has died at the age of 90. Uh, Reports are that Lynn died at her Tennessee ranch uh, yesterday from natural causes. Actually, today from natural causes. She had multiple gold albums from a career that spanned nearly 60 years. Again, Loretta Lynn dead at the age of 90. Once again, here's Bob Olin, and Bob, uh, the leaves obviously changing colors and uh, getting to that point where you want to get out and check out the colors. Well, what happens later is the leaves fall off the trees, and then we got to worry about raking, right? You want to leave those leaves on the lawn, I would imagine. Well, we don't, and you, you know, all of the, maybe a lot of life is about perception and mindset. <laughs> now, if you look at leaves as just a chore, something you have to pick up, that's one thing. If yeah. you look at them as a resource, and something we can get into a compost pile, and we can add tremendous organic to the soil. One thing we're deficient in our soils in all of northeastern Minnesota really is organic level, and the easiest, cheapest way is to take these leaves, get them composted, get all that great compost. I never really have enough leaves. I never really have enough banana peels, so I compost (laughs) just about everything that's organic because... uh, I really am a big believer in getting those organic levels up. And uh, some of the success that I have growing, quite honestly, has been related to uh, that real effort to get some more organics down in the soil, Dave. Well, let's see. So, we can... Uh, you can think of them that way, and we'll talk more in detail yeah. about uh, composting a little later. Don't waste any of those leaves. Get them right. raked, and we'll tell you how to compost them. But in the meantime, so many things. Let's get some pota- uh, some tomatoes picked. Uh, let's... Uh, uh, you know, let's uh, get any of that uh, product that might be vulnerable to frost. Let's get that taken care of. Let's continue to mow the lawn, maybe a little fertility on the lawn. Get out and you get some bulbs this weekend at the fall plant sale and get down to the farmer's market. Yeah. Uh, 14th Avenue, East and 3rd Street, Dave, because uh, I'll tell you, a lot of product's going to be on those shelves because they won't let anything go to waste. And I have the sense that a lot's going to be picked over the next week or so. So there's going to be a lot of tremendous uh, product down at the farmer's market this, yeah. uh, this week. This Wednesday, 2 to 5, and Saturday, 8 till noon. So lots going on, lots of places, all part of this great activity uh, called gardening, and all for our good health, the physical activity, as well as the good quality food that it produces. Well, enjoy the next couple of days when the temperatures will stay above normal, and then uh, we'll have to deal with the colder temperatures later in the week. I think maybe it's the contrast that makes us appreciate the, the warm days that we have. So you're right, Dave. Get out there and really enjoy them. The landscapes are beautiful. Just suck it all in because it's going to change to one particular uh, color pretty soon. All right. Bob, as usual, thanks so much, and we'll catch you again next week. My fun. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feed Bent in Superior. And by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig.